You're listening to the Real Estate Runway Podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. All right, listeners, we have with us today Pat Cosgrove. He's a broker with Marcus and Millichap, one of the most well-known brokerages in the country. We have bought and sold several deals with him over the years, and I'm really excited because he's going to talk to us about why you should pay attention to the sub-100 unit multifamily space. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Sutton. And here with me today, I have a good buddy and longtime broker of mine, Pat Cosgrove with Marcus and Millichap. Pat, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. You know, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but the reason I asked you to come on, man, you are kind of, you're my expert anyway, in, in the sub 100 unit space, right? And before we get into that, maybe just give the give the audience a little background of who you are, where you came from, how you came to be where you are. And, and then maybe we talk a little bit about why would one want to invest in sub 100 unit apartment buildings? Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks again for having me on. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm, I'm from Nashville originally. School in Illinois, came back into Nashville, uh, immediately jumped into uh, multifamily brokerage. The reason I got into multifamily brokerage, I actually was a uh, property manager, a leasing agent, and helped returns on about a six, five or 600 unit property here in Middle Tennessee, all throughout college. So I, I, I decided, hey, I understand how this works. I understand the, the at least the management side of it and, and, and wanted to get into the brokerage side. I had a good buddy of mine doing single tenant, triple net, McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King brokerage. And he kind of introduced me to our company and kind of started from there. I'd say that for the most part, I've closed about 35 apartment buildings here in the last few years, and we're, we're doing a lot of 10 to 10 to 100 unit buildings. So that, that's kind of how I met Chad, and uh, and and that's obviously says he, he's bought some buildings like that. So it's it, it's a niche space, and it's a different space. As a lot of people are trying to go after those 200, 300 unit buildings, but but I think that there's a especially for for, for private buyers and people that are raising capital. I mean, there, there's a ton of opportunity in those smaller spaces. So excited to, excited to talk with you guys about it. Yeah. And that's really a good topic to get into, Pat. So, and the listeners here, you, you just heard an episode from Paul Moore with Wellings Capital talking about just this, about you know why we would go to a space that is less crowded in order to purchase at a better cap rate with more opportunity, you know, and we were talking about this with mobile home parks that, you know, that, that's the same kind of situation, but what, what Pat has discovered here, you know, and what we've discovered as well here at Quattro Capital is Maybe you don't always want to go chase, you know, the big 200 unit building. Maybe you want to buy a 35 unit building or, or, or a 50 unit building, right? We can talk about the challenges that come with it, but everything is figure outable, you know, but what makes the sub 100 unit space unique, Pat, when contrasting that with your institutional or, you know, 150 plus assets that, that, you know, your larger buyers are going after? What's the extra meat? First of all, it comes down to like the seller and, and it comes down to the buyers. Also, a lot of those sellers who are selling a 30 unit, a 40 unit, a 50 unit. I mean, they're, they're a partnership. They're a JV or, or, or they're, they're just not institutional. They're not private equity. It might be a family, a, 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 not even a family office really, but just, just a family who's owned the asset for a long time. And that's how you can, I mean, there's, I'm sorry, that's my cat in the background. And, and, and you can find a ton of value in those deals because a lot of those sellers, well, let's say it's a 20 unit building that, that somebody's owned in the family for forever. 
a lot of those sellers are, are going to be more mom and pop. Like there's more meat on the bone and, and they're not going to be as tuned into the market. Like the amount of times that, that I talk to somebody who's saying, Hey, Hey Pat, we're, we're thinking about selling this 20 unit building in Knoxville, 20 unit building in Nashville. They are, they, they're actually sometimes shocked by, by when we come to them and say, Hey, your rents are $300 below market. Like if you went in and you renovated it, like there's a lot of meat left on the bone, but a lot, a lot of those sellers, like they just want to sell and then they, they might actually need to sell. And there's nothing better when, when, when you're working with, with a buyer like Chad, when, when you have somebody who, who needs to sell or wants to sell, they're, they're willing to meet the market. Yeah. And I would also say that, that a lot of those like 150, 200 unit buildings, I mean, we, we, we've sold some larger assets. Like we just closed a 380 pad mobile home park and yeah. You're, you're looking with more private equity. You're competing against institutions. You're competing with people that have a balance sheet that is honestly much stronger than yours. And, and so it makes it tough to compete until you get to a certain point with some of those assets. So I've, I've seen a lot of people who, who have bought multiple deals from us and multiple 20s, 30s, 40s. And, and now, now they have a 20 unit, they have a 30 unit, they have a 40 unit all in the same market. You can run that as a hundred units. Like then, then you, you, you basically have a hundred unit complex just sitting in the, um, or you basically have a hundred unit complex. It's, it's very similar management, especially if they're in the same area of town. So I, I definitely think that, that, that there's definitely a lot of opportunity there. And you guys have kind of have been very successful doing that. That's exactly what we've done. And, you know, I think when we entered the Knoxville, Tennessee market, you sold us our first building there. And I think our fourth or something like that as well. But, you know, the, the point is, you know, we went in there and we said, you know, we're going to go buy this, this 35 unit building. And we didn't buy it from super unsophisticated sellers, right? We bought, they had a value play. They bought it from the guy who built it. And he was, you know, $200 below market at the time. They executed their value play. But I'm here to tell you, like, if you don't have all the institutional money behind you, you don't have all the pinnacle of data and systems and processes, it is surprisingly easy to buy a building, have a pro forma, say, these are the rents I'm going to hit, and then be two years into that and not realize that the rents you're targeting are now below market. You know, it is surprisingly easy. And that's what happened to these guys. You know, we bought that building, had meat on the bone, and then we bought about, what, what was it, Pat? Over last year, eight other buildings in that area, totaling yeah. 154 units from people who have either owned them for 50 years and have no interest in, in renovating or, or pushing rents. And you, you just wind up with the ability to, even if you're paying top dollar for what it is today, there is, they're so far below market. Whereas if you are buying that 200 unit building, right? I mean, like case in point, there's a deal in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee that I went after and it was professionally managed, professional, owned by an institutional capital group. They had already pretty well executed that. Oh, and by the way, people are paying top dollar for that asset because it's a 200 unit asset in Chattanooga, Tennessee. The, the value's just not there, you know? So it's pretty incredible. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that the, um, and you guys are right, but kind of what I've seen from you guys, a lot of people try to go about that plan, but I mean, it's, it's when, when you do try to go after those, those twenties, thirties and forties, a lot of it's networking. A lot of it, a lot of it is reaching out to the brokers, reaching out to the attorneys, reaching out to, and, and I've said this a million times, like anytime that, that you're on a meeting with someone and then you want to go meet a broker who's selling these types of deals. I always, I, most meetings I go on it, I ask, Hey, who do you know that I should know? I think that, uh, and, and then that's kind of how you build your network. And, and then you start getting some, some deals that then they may be off market or, or you might be in a position where if it is marketed, you've built a rapport with the seller or, or with the broker and, and, and you're in first position. 
And I'll also say like a, a lot of these, a lot of the smaller, like 20, 30s, 40s, like they, the, the, the sellers of those have such a small basis in the asset going back to why they didn't renovate it. They have, they, they bought it in 2008 or, or they bought it for 20,000 a unit and their basis is so small. They're, they're just like, why would I, why would I put money into the asset when it's already cash flowing and, and it's already paid for itself three times? I'll, I'll just let somebody else do that. That's exactly it. I love, I love that thought, you know, and yeah, it, it's really interesting as well. When, when you're thinking about your younger buyers, I don't want to say fresh newbies, right? And offend anyone, but think about if you're trying to get into this space and you're trying to, you're one who's trying to buy a property on your own, or maybe you're trying to syndicate a deal or something like that. It's really, really hard, just like Pat mentioned, not impossible, but really, really hard if you aren't well capitalized, have a balance sheet behind you and credibility of closing, you know, multi-million dollar deals. That's going to be really hard to walk into a broker's office or, or, you know, get on a call and say, hey, give me this 200 unit, $30 million asset. I promise I can get it done. Believe it. Right. When he has six other buyers who have institutional names, legal teams, property management teams, 4,000 units under management, you're just not going to compete. This is a space where you can actually come to the table and if you're relatively well-to-do, qualify for the loan, qualify for, the, for the, the credibility that you need to buy these kind of things. And look, when you get a few of these under your belt, you're going to talk differently, right? I mean, buy a couple of 20-unit buildings, get good at that. You can really wrap your head around things and then go after the big ones. So that's another way to look at it, you know? Uh, exactly, exactly. And I see a lot of people, what, what you just said on the, on the building credibility, I see a lot of people who reach out and and they want to buy a building that's let's say a two million dollar building, one million dollar building, but they don't have the team put together yet. Like you, you want to have the title team put together. You want to have partners put together. You want to be able to put together. Like I, I actually saw somebody win a deal today because they had a, a quality resume with them and their partners, and and were able to say, hey, this is what we've done on on the three buildings, four buildings, five buildings that we own, the the hundred units that we own, and 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 the sellers for that, especially if they're if, if they're mom and pop or, or even if they're sophisticated, I mean, sometimes I say mom and pop, but even mom and pop sometimes can be sophisticated. People like to see that. People want to see that credibility. If you can have a pre-approval letter, if you can, if you can show, Hey, we have, we have X amount of, or, or we bought a building and we raised capital, we raised a million bucks in, in two days, like those types of stories that they, they really help you build that credibility and, and really help you stand out with, with some of the other people that are chasing those types of deals. So it, it's, put, it's putting that team together. I think that, that, that that's really key on people that I've seen be successful. It's like what you guys did in, in, in Knoxville. You guys had a, a very well, a very professional property management team who I've only heard great things from like day one. So you, you, you guys really, I mean, you, you had the team on the market. I said, all right, you, you, you guys are very serious about this asset. I mean, you, you, you have a plan. You're going to buy more deals and this asset is going to be good for you guys. And this market's going to be good for you guys. Whereas some people just wanted to come and, and, and buy the asset and, and, and didn't have that, didn't have the, the whole team in play. So, I mean, that comes back to networking. And then that, that comes back to just, Hey, who do you know that I know that I should know? Exactly. I love it. I love it. Well, Pat, I got to ask you, I'm sure you've seen some pretty crazy stories in your day. Do any come to mind in, in, in your years of brokering these deals? I mean, every deal is going to have its issues. Every deal is going to have its problems. Like I, I've, I've seen deals get get tied up over. Well, actually, one crazy thing, it, it was it, it was a deal actually down in Louisiana. Like we were trying to sell this asset and and a like the, the, there was there was like a creek or canal that, that went through the asset. And they're like, oh, we have to fix this. And I had never even never even thought about like, oh, there's actually a canal, like, oh, like the walls next to the canal. I know, I know there's, I know there's verbiage for that, but, but I, it, it's when you do deals in different, in different states and different areas, like 
you, you don't really think about some some of the other things that are going to be capital improvements. Like it's it's not just it's not just roofs and, and HVACs and 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 interior improvements and and pavement. Like there was a canal in this asset, and I didn't even think about looking at it and being like, oh, that could, like the the walls of the canal. There's a word for it. I can't think of it because I've never seen it before until that. Like needs to be replaced. That's a hundred grand. And it's also, I mean, we were with that that mobile home park that we closed. I mean, when we were marketing it. Louisiana got hit pretty bad last year with some hurricanes. Like there were a ton of hurricanes down there. And it seemed like every single weekend there was another hurricane coming. And, and it was just kind of like crossing your fingers. Like, all right, well, at least for the seller and, and for the guy who's got it under contract, I, I hope that this hurricane doesn't hit this mobile home park, but it, but it's some things that just aren't in your control. And that's some of the, the, the craziest things, but, but I mean, that's, I'd never, I'd never experienced something like that. And that right there is why Quattro Capital does not invest in hurricane zones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's, that's a scary. Uh, and, and we've done some deals where like three or four roofs had to be replaced like, while we were marketing it because of hurricanes. So, and that that's always tough. And you gotta, if you are buying in those areas, you can make money in those areas, but you have to really, really be careful with especially on the capital improvement budget. I mean, you gotta, you gotta. You might have to place all the roofs this year. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I know I've got a couple, but what tips would you give to buyers that are when they're looking at some of these, call it twenty to eighty unit buildings? You know that you might need to look at a little bit differently than a large scale building. I, I would definitely make sure that, that you have a property management team that that already manages assets in the area. So, like here in Tennessee, we have, we have a, a a number of good property management teams who manage. Let's say they manage a thirty unit, a forty unit, and an eighty unit, all from different owners. But they manage them together as one. That's going to help you limit your costs. And and I mean they they already have operations on the ground. And let's say a tenant goes to one of those properties and it's full. Well, then you can point them towards the, the if you're at the 50 unit, you can say, hey, go lease from the 80 units right down the street. Because that's always one, especially on these smaller ones. It, it's not your management team. I mean, there's there you just have to be really careful about who's going to be the, the the best management team on the ground and who's already got systems and operations in place. And I, I'd also say, I mean, just just that that credibility kit is is especially when when you do get into buying an asset. I, I think like a credibility kit, a resume, uh, a proof of funds, like all that type of stuff, will will help you win a deal like this. And 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 experience in the market, and I'd also say getting to know getting to know the seller. Every seller is going to be different, and especially on these smaller properties, it's going to be more private investor sellers, or it's going to be a partnership. Like, what does the partnership want? What is the what, the what are they trying to achieve out of this? Is it top dollar, or or, or do they want owner financing, or or do they want to close quick in cash? And like, do they have a? And I hate to say it, like, are they dissolving their partnership? Is there a divorce? Is there is there a death in the family? It, it's it's all that type of stuff that that can help you win a deal and structure it in the way that the seller wants want wants to have you have the deal. And and just asking the broker those questions, like, hey, tell me about this seller. Like, that's the best buyers that I know. Just say, tell me about the seller. And, 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 and they really get a good understanding of, of where they need to come in on this deal. I love that. Those are, that, that's, that's key in any transaction, really. Like figure out how you can solve the seller's problem. It may, it may not have a problem. It may be, Hey, give me top dollar or get out. You know, that could be the case, but a lot of times there's a story, you know, and knowing the story can really make you a valuable part of that story and helping them solve a problem. And you're absolutely right on property management. And I'll give the, the listeners another key here. Hiring property management is hard. Hiring small property, small property property management is even harder. And the reason I'll say that is, is, you know, talking about mom and pop companies, you're really going to struggle 
to weed out the ones that are like, okay, I manage a few houses and I think I can do an apartment building versus the ones who actually manage and are good at managing. It's called scattered site management, right? They don't have one centralized location. Their, their managers are sitting in an office somewhere and they're managing like a 20 unit building, a 30 unit building, a 50 unit building spread around town. You know, the keys there are make sure they have a regional maintenance team, right? You're not going to be able to support hiring someone directly, but make sure they have the ability to, to have people that float around and handle maintenance on call. Make sure they do their books in accrual accounting. If they don't do their books in accrual accounting, just don't take the company. And the re- reason I say that is that speaks to the level of sophistication of that company. And it, cash basis can be okay. I'm not saying don't use cash basis, but if that company looks at you with like you have four heads when you say accrual accounting, run the other way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're right. And like back to horror stories, like I've seen some, some messed up, just like cash basis, accrual, accrual basis and get, get into the closing table. And it's, wait, it says on your, on your, or on your, on your rental income that you, that, that you collected a hundred grand. It's like, Oh no, we built out a hundred grand. <laughs> we collected 85, <laughs> you know? So, so that's been some crazy stuff, but no, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, and, and maybe you, you can kind of speak to this, but, but do they have their internal maintenance team? That's going to really help you cut down on your costs. Like when, when you're looking at the repairs and maintenance, uh, they have an internal, uh, I mean, that, that, that goes down to the, the, to the net operating income. And I mean, I, I think a lot of, I mean, when, when you're subbing out every single, every single turn, like you, you're going to be getting killed. So, oh yeah, um, I mean, that, that's something big. And, and a lot of times, like for some of these mom and pop type sellers it, or, or, or smaller apartment owner sellers, like their expenses are super high. So like you, you can put their repairs and maintenance much, much lower. Or, or maybe they're not billing for water. I mean, the, the, there's just a lot of things that, that you need to uncover. And that's just a, a, who will help you with that process is going to be your, your property management team. Yes. And I, I mean, they're going to be able to tell you, hey, yeah, you can, you can build $25 a unit water in this market. Or no, right. you can't. Or at least, hey, let's at least try it. I mean, you don't know them until you try I love that you said that because I mean, we, we all talk about raising rents and, and renovating and getting higher rent. That's income, right? But it, net operating income is really what drives your value. Don't be afraid to look for expense reductions on these kind of buildings. And you're absolutely right, Pat, because you're probably, not, if you're looking, and I've looked at all of them, right? If you're looking at an, at an institutional asset or, or a, you know something that's professionally run by a large group, their expense load's probably pretty good. And so you're going to be watching for taxes to go up and bid your new insurance and the rest of it is what it is. But when you start looking at these smaller buildings, it's simple stuff too. It's like if I'm if I'm paying for one dumpster every month, or if I have six properties in the area and I have six dumpsters, I can get a discount on that, right? If I'm having, you know, like marketing, if I'm trying to put out on apartments.com, if I've got one little bitty property versus a bunch of others, I can get, you know, I can get a discount. So you start looking at you have to really dissect it and figure out, okay, what are they spending on and where? And it's really astounding when you figure out, oh my gosh, I can reduce expenses on this property by 20%, you know? Oh yeah. And, and a big one I don't see a lot of people do is insurance. I mean, that's, that's a huge one. Getting bigger. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we just sold a deal that it, it was a property that also had a piece of land connected to it that, that was on one, on one parcel, but they just wanted to buy the, the, the multifamily asset. Well, the piece of land was partly in a, partly in a flood zone. So the expense, like the insurance expense for the asset was like $500 a unit. Well, the buyer now, he, he, he went to his insurance broker and said, hey, where, like, I, I'm not, my, my, I don't own the land. I'm, I'm just buying the apartments. Like, we're we're going we're gonna to plot this out. And he, he reduced his expenses on insurance like $250 a unit. I mean, that's a ton of money on a 50-unit building. It's huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Pat, this has been hugely enlightening. Thank you for coming on the show. This is fantastic. If you don't mind, give the listeners a way they can get in touch with you. Maybe they want to sell a property. Maybe they want to buy a property. <laughs> See, there you go. So you can reach me at uh, you can reach me on my cell phone number. It's a six one five nine seven three. 5373. My number's all over the internet, so I'm not scared, scared to give that out. <laughs> or you can go to the Marcus Millichap website. We'd we'll love to talk to you about, about buying and selling, especially smaller 20 to 100 unit buildings. So, fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on, my man. Yep. Well, two final questions. You're not getting off that easy. Two final questions that we ask every listener who comes on the show. So, at Quattro Capital, we like to know everyone's superpower. It's, it's how we kind of define our, our best value in the space. So what would you consider you superpower to be in this business? Listening. You, you definitely have to listen to people's problems. So I, 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 everyone's got an issue. So I like listening and I, I, enjoy, I enjoy networking too. So that's the fun stuff. You get to meet a bunch of new people. That's good, man. That's fantastic. And last one, if you don't mind sharing, we, we, we've talked about how awesome you are and all the successes you've had. What is your biggest failure to date? And what's it, what did it teach you? In business or in life? <laughs> you know, dealer's choice. I'll say in business, learn, learning how to underwrite a property correctly and learning how to underwrite a property for the market. Like there's definitely deals that, that we that I did right when I started that, that we didn't underwrite them 100% correctly. And, and I don't want to say those deals blew up, but, 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 but you live and you learn and, and it's, it's underwriting a property correctly. And, and I think, I think that that was definitely the biggest, the, the biggest hurdle for me. But well, once you kind of get it down, you get it down. So it's, it's not the most complex thing in the world. Yep. I got you. Good deal. All right. Well, everyone, this has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway podcast over and out. How is your company managing your capital raising process? Syndication Pro is the number one solution to help real estate syndicators and fund managers automate fundraising, investor relations, and reporting. Syndication Pro is a solution that is trusted by hundreds of firms, large and small, with billions being managed within the platform. Here at Quattro Capital, we have seen a drastic improvement in our ability to provide better customer support to our investors, a co-sponsor module to our alliance partners when partnering on new acquisitions, ACH distributions, an SEC compliance CRM, and even the ability to take soft reservations on upcoming projects. Look for the link in the show notes to try Syndication Pro risk-free for seven days. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.